Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing their services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, Huradene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. We got so lucky, we get to have Taylor come back. Uh, and so, Taylor, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I'm just glad that I was able to come back. Me too. It worked out. Like, it was Godshot, right? Like, yeah, whatever's up there was definitely putting things together, because... We had a cancellation in the morning, and then by the afternoon, you had re- you had reached out and said hi, and that was it. Yeah, and I was I was at that point where I was like, you know, the last time that I shared my story, I was like living in resentment, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't working the program, and honestly, it was just like a showcase of Taylor, really. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. It was more of a release as opposed to being helpful. And now I see that, like, I I have the potential to be helpful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe that there's women in the world that I can help. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's been the biggest motivator for me recently is just um, going to women's meetings and meeting other women, right? Because, like, in active addiction, I didn't have any female friends. Um, Mm -hmm. It was mostly guys. And, you know backstabbing girls and like stealing boyfriends and stuff mm-hmm. right so it was um is it is it pretty like competitive like being in a group of just women most of the time um in active addiction yes yeah. in in the yeah. rooms no like it's, yeah it's different obviously oh gosh yeah. it's like night and day right like i don't have to worry about what they're saying behind my back because mm-hmm. i know nobody's talking about me right mm-hmm. like nobody's n- nobody goes to bed at night and lets their head hit the pillow wondering how many times I went to the bathroom that day, right? Like it's <laughs> Man, if they do, that's weird. Right? Yeah. You know, like, just, just so, ask me out at that point, yeah. you know? <laughs> so if you're out there trying to remember how many times you went to the bathroom, just talk to her. Yeah. yeah. That's, Don't be creepy hiding behind the bushes. Exactly. That's how we break the ice around here. <laughs> how many times did you poop today? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Six. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to think about it. Uh, six, yes. Yes. You're giving me a run for my money here. <laughs> um, mm. so I don't know where we were. You just, you start talking. Because, right. yeah, well, like, so much has happened, like, over the last year, right? And I, I can't remember exactly when you came on, but I think it was almost a year ago. Yeah, it, it was It was almost a year ago. Um, I... I had just come back off of a relapse and I, um, you know, I wasn't in a good, sp- a good place spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I was still 
feeling the effects of my no surrender bender, as I like to call it. Mm. And, um, you know, I was just in a very low place. And it, it, mm. it, I'm very grateful that I was given the opportunity to come and speak that time because it allowed me to kind of get it out in the open, mm -hmm. right? And just, um, I find once I hear myself say something, mm -hmm. I understand it a lot better. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I was thinking that way, right? Um, but yeah, at the beginning, um, you know, we've been in this lockdown. Well, you we call it a lockdown. We're mm -hmm. still allowed to go to Costco, right? So it's mm -hmm. not really, <laughs> I'm not sure what the government's trying to do here. But, um, you know, I looked at the lockdown as a blessing, right? Because, um, you know, I was feeling so much shame around uh, my relapse. So it allowed me to isolate for that time right and um you know it is unfortunate that a lot of people do live alone and I'm very blessed that I spent the pandemic living at my mom's right mm -hmm. so um I was never really alone through it like yeah. there's there's seven people in the house so it's like it's constantly it's almost like I wish I could leave right mm -hmm. like not <laughs> um Lots of personalities for sure, but seven people in one house, seven people in one house. Yep. We're very, uh, family oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, that's amazing. It's always kind of been like that. Yeah. Like my mom, I remember growing up and my mom was always taking care of my cousins mm -hmm. or I always had an uncle living with us and stuff. And it was just, my mom's house was always like the communal home. Mm. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what it's like now. And, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic, um, I was able to find a new sponsor. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I jumped into a relationship mm. and, um, you know, I made it very clear that like, I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to do drugs. Like I wanted to try and live a life in recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was one of the main things for that relationship. And, um, you know, I can't ever put those expectations on someone else because, like, this is all our own journey, right? There's nothing stopping mm -hmm. me from picking up yeah. um, other than the fact that, like, you know, my higher power comes in and pushes me out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, no, 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 you, you get back on your path. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, he ended up relapsing and he went back to treatment. And while he was in treatment, I started to see this growth in him. And I was like, oh, damn, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to a meeting, and I picked up a new sponsor, got a new big book. Um, and for the first time, I actually did the work. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, uh, I realized that on my last relapse, I had gotten a DUI, so I knew that I had step one down pat, right? Like I was like, yep, I can't do this safely because, you know, after three, I lose all drive. Like I lose all my morals. They go mm -hmm. out the window and I'm driving drunk and, you know, I'm uh, stealing and I'm doing a bunch of drugs and I'm just, I'm not living up to what my creator would have me be. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what really helped me solidify that step one. Um, wow, it's too bad it had to be a DUI. Right? Yeah. And but that is what it has to be sometimes. Sometimes, right? Like, it's yeah. got to be a sufficient enough bottom for mm -hmm. you, right? So, like, the first couple times that I was in the program, 
um, you know, it wasn't a sufficient enough bottom for me because I, you know, I didn't ever end up homeless. I, you know, I still had a job. I was still paying my bills. To me, it was manageable, right? But um, from the outside looking in, like my family was super worried about me and, you know, um, the friends that I had made in recovery could kind of tell that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I mm -hmm. hadn't hit my bottom. I was just kind of there kicking around being a seat filler, really. Yeah. Um, and so after I got my, it was so messed up. So when I first came into the program, one of my friends had told me, you know, karma is a very real thing. And as soon as you go back out, everything that you've done in the past is there waiting for mm -hmm. you. And I was like, oh my, I wasn't that bad. Like, you know, I, I never went to jail. So mm -hmm. to me, I didn't, I wasn't unmanageable, right? Like I was yeah. getting away with it. And, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to uh, kind of just glide by in life when other people are co-signing your, your, stuff. your stuff. Yeah. And just enabling you and making sure that I was taken care of, right? As long as I was able to get high and get drunk and mm. whatever. Um, but then when I went back out, I, I lost... Uh, I lost who I was. Mm. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to the other. And, you know, that, 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 that phenomenon of craving, right? Mm. That allergy. Um, I noticed how real it was. And I, I remember mm. it was like two days before the last day that I ever drank. Like, well, this time. Um, mm -hmm. But I was sitting there and I was like, okay, like, I, I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to not drink because like I am a very emotional person and I am sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy for me to pick up on other people's stuff and carry it with me and make it my own. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was really easy for me to hop into that relationship and, yeah. you know, become codependent and, you know, become somebody that he needed Right. When in all realities, like he needs God, not me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not God. I'm not I'm not that powerful. You know, yeah. I don't um, I don't have that ability to change somebody's mind. I can't. Well, that's a very good awareness. Right. That's and a healthy awareness to have. Yeah. It took a while to get there, yeah. you know, like um, takes what it takes. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the playing God stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it just it wasn't benefiting me anymore. And. I, you know, I managed to stay uh, off the liquor and um, my DOC for nine months before going into a CA meeting. Mm -hmm. And um, I had done the, uh, the marijuana maintenance thing, right? So it was good in a sense that it was um, harm reduction mm -hmm. for me because it kept me at home mm -hmm. and alive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do, I do really advocate for harm reduction, you know, mm -hmm. um, a big thing with the big book, right? It was written a really long time ago mm -hmm. and, you know, there are some people who don't believe that harm reduction actually helps, but I know I do. I believe. Yeah. How can you not? Yeah. You know? Well, when, what, what changed my mind about it, honestly, was watching people die. 
that's really what changed my mind through the years. The first 10 years of my sobriety, I watched people die and they kept trying to get this abstinence. They tried to get it, they tried to get it, and then they're dead. Yeah. And I know that's not the case for everybody. Like, I'm not saying that's the only reason harm reduction should be looked at, but it, for me, that's what really changed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. What but, changed your mind about it? Um, so the, the person that I was dating, um, so his DOC is like fentanyl, right? Mm. So in order for somebody to come off of fentanyl completely, like you have to go through Suboxone mm. and, um, you know, I, I advocated for that. I was like, you know, if you're going to take the Suboxone and it's going to stop you from doing fentanyl, then that's that's helping you, mm -hmm. you know, and nobody can judge you for that because it's helping you stay mm -hmm. away from what is potentially killing you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of when that switched. And then he also told me like, well, you know, that's what we did for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what it, we did for you. It kept you away mm -hmm. from the liquor and the cocaine long enough for you to understand that, mm -hmm. um, you know, abstinence is key and that the only reliance that I can have is on my higher power. Mm -hmm. um, so being um, a Native woman, I, I grew up kind of already having an idea of mm -hmm. creator. Like, uh, mm -hmm. so like I'd go to pipe ceremonies sometimes, I'd go to round dances sometimes. Um, I wasn't fully engulfed in my culture, mm -hmm. but I was still aware of it. Um, so that's really what helped me grasp that step two, right? Came to mm -hmm. believe. Um, and it took a really long time for me to like finally give up. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that there was something, but can you really change my life? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after, uh, so the guy that I was with, he went back to treatment and, um, you know, after that we, we broke up and we went our separate ways. Mm -hmm. And then that was the emotional rock bottom for me, right? Where I, where I made that decision that, you know, God is everything or God is nothing. Mm -hmm. I can't just use God when I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. I can't just use him for a whole bunch of help me prayers and then not do the work that's in front of me yeah. that he lays out. Um, you know, it took... We learn through pain. Mm. Unfortunately, and, eh? Right? Yeah. It's, it's the story of the jaywalker. Yeah. I'm going to keep running out in the traffic, keep getting <laughs> hit, and I'm never going to learn my lesson until it beats me to a pulp. Mm -hmm. And um, that's exactly what that did, right? Because I thought that... Um, I thought because I met him in recovery that God brought us together. Mm. And... Um, you know, I, I hope that when I share my story about that, that people hear it and, you know, you realize that we're in those rooms because we're sick and we're trying to find mm -hmm. a solution. It's not like God may have brought us into those rooms, but mm -hmm. God didn't bring us into those rooms to find somebody else that's sick and broken. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's then just what, share our sickness with them. Right? Yeah. Feed yeah. off each other. Yeah. Co-sign. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and so I had done maybe four sets of steps prior to this one that I'm, mm -hmm. that I'm almost done now. Um, and my step four always stayed the same, mm -hmm. like from the time that I wrote it down in treatment, because I knew my past and it was, 
it was pretty easy for me to write it all down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But that piece of paper stayed under my mattress and I never told anybody about mm-hmm. it, right? So that's the point of like your step five is to go and talk to a sponsor and let it out mostly so mm-hmm. that like you can let go of the resentments and, you know, see the fears for what they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I didn't, my list didn't change much because I didn't change much. Um, I wasn't doing the work the first couple times and um, the same thing would always happen, right? Like I would get a new sponsor, I would go through the steps, I'd get to step 10 and then I would would stop because I didn't know how to reach out. Um, I didn't know how to confide in somebody, I didn't know how to trust people. Um, because every time in my using days, I would tell a friend a secret and suddenly everybody knows my secret. Mm. So it was really hard for me to gain a sense of trust with somebody. Um, of course. And like, and trusting people with that heavy stuff is hard, right? Oh, definitely. You don't just want to tell everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the, the shame that comes along with it. Right. And then having to be held accountable for it. Mm. That's the scary part, but that's where the fucking, that's where the growth happens, yeah. sorry. Oh, you could swear, it's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's okay with us. I shouldn't say it's okay, because it might not be okay for you, but it's okay for us if you swear. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm trying to catch myself before. <laughs> that's, well, that's nice of you to be thoughtful, but we're okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I had this same step four for the last three years, mm. sitting under my bed, and you know, after reading through the step three, right, you know, um, right after the step three prayer, it says next we launched onto a vigorous course of action, Mm. right? So I wouldn't know the full effects of a proper step three if I didn't do that four. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of my truths came out for what they actually were this time, like, because In the past, I had manipulated my four to make it seem like I was the victim and that, um, you know, these people deserved what I did to them. And, you know, because I brought creator into it this time, like I was on my knees in my bedroom and I was like praying and I've got my hands held together and I've got my smudge lit and I'm crying and I'm like, I know that I can't do this on my own. Mm. And it would be really cool if you sent me a Hail Mary right now, man. Like, that's how I talk to my God. It's very casual. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, what the hell's going on? And other times I'm like, thanks, man. you the best. <laughs> you know? Um, it's all reasonable. Right? Yeah, it, totally. It is, it is what we make it. Absolutely. And I love that, right? Of mm-hmm. your own understanding. Nobody needs to understand your God as long as... You're comfortable with mm-hmm. your God, and your God knows you, yep. obviously. Um, but so, like, a lot of my truth came out on the floor, and I realized that, you know, there was... I hadn't even grasped the root. My first mm-hmm. three or four sets or whatever was attempted in the past, right? Um, I was only looking at the branches. I was only mm-hmm. looking at, you know oh, this made me feel this way. But I wasn't looking at why it was making me feel that way, what Mm -hmm. fear was behind it. You know, if I was being um, selfish and considerate to Mm -hmm. other people, right? I never looked at life like that before. 
And, yeah. um, you know, when I went and I did my five with my sponsor, I remember sitting there and I was so scared to tell her all mm. this stuff, right? Because I'm like, this is it. This is, this is, this is it. There's this an is the in, meat. Right? Yeah. This is, there's something inside me that's mm. telling me that I need to tell you all of this and I can't stop it. Mm. Like I can't hold it in anymore. It's pushing me forward. Um, so I told her my deep, dark secrets and I'm waiting for her to react and I'm waiting for her to be like, oh my God, you're a disgusting mm. human being. Like, how can you even be like that? And she's like, and? And I'm like, what do you mean, and? Like, didn't you just... Didn't you just hear what I told you? Mm -hmm. Like, aren't you going to call some cops or something? Like, what's <laughs> going on here? Like, and um, that, You just might have described why people look at me so weird when they're finished telling me their fist up. They, they have like a 30-second time where they're staring at me. Maybe they're waiting for me to call the cops. Yeah. I just thought that just came to me. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that might be what they're thinking about when they're sitting on the couch. They're like, is he going to do anything? <laughs> right? I'm like, are you going to go tell all those people that I owe them money now? Or are you going to tell them where I live? <laughs> That's so good. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just have a new understanding. And it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. It is you know? scary. Like the first time you go and you actually tell somebody mm -hmm. all your sins, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's heavy duty stuff, man. Right? It mm -hmm. was a very emotional day and it was a very heavy day. Good for you. But, you know, I came out and I was just so much lighter, mm. you know, because I wasn't packing around that stuff anymore, that shame, that guilt, that regret, mm. you know, because I have a lot of, I had a lot of regret for my past life, right? Like the decisions that I made, the, um, the, uh, the fuckets mm. that I got, right? Um, just, you know, I would get my world built up around me in such a good way and then I would tear the walls down around mm. me because I didn't think I deserved anything better than what I had. Yeah. You know, I believed that I was going to die in the gutter because like, that's just, you know, that's our, that's our addict mind. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it wants us to believe that we have no purpose in life, mm -hmm. that we can't be helpful or of service to others. Yeah. Outside of that drug of choice. Right. Yeah. We got nothing, right? Right. Yeah. Outside of that group of friends or whatever you yeah. want to call it, that's, that's the end all be all for mm. us until we get into this program and, you know, see life for the beautiful gift that it is. Mm. And every hard lesson, in every hard emotion that I feel, there's a lesson buried mm -hmm. in there now. And I can, I can ask myself, what's yeah. the lesson here? What am I supposed to learn? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like in the big book, it says the, uh, the step two proposition, right. Where it's like, we're crushed by a self-imposed mm. crisis. So the only time that I turned to God was when I needed help out of a situation that I put myself in because mm -hmm. I got that ball rolling. And now because I didn't like the end effects of it, I'm suddenly looking for God to come and save me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've done that. Like anything can, I've learned that anything can be an addiction. Um, you know, whether it was the alcohol and the drugs in the beginning or it was me throwing myself into service because that became a very deadly addiction for me, right? Yeah. I wasn't working on my program. I was just getting a whole bunch of service positions and using that to fill my time and my voids. Um, 
not the worst way to start, but also it doesn't help you, right? Like in the long run. Yeah, it definitely yeah. doesn't help. So like this time around, I'm kind of, I'll chair a couple meetings, but I need the yeah. bottom of my period or like my, uh, my pyramid to be, to be grounded, right? Mm -hmm. Like the recovery part. If I don't have my recovery, then I can't have service positions and I can't take part in unity. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I'm out getting lit, then, you know, there's too much shame for me to even show my face in the rooms. Yeah. Um, you know, so when I came out of my step five with my sponsor, she gave me a list of my character defects and like, they were, they were pretty normal. Mm -hmm. um, now that I'm looking at them, like I'm starting to realize that I'm not a snowflake. I'm not special. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, everybody is codependent. Everybody is manipulative. Um, you know, people can be spiteful. Mm -hmm. People can be very deceiving. And I was all of those things. Mm -hmm. Those things all came out on my six, on my six, right? Or my five. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it really helped to have a sponsor that had been through these steps and like actually knew how to explain to me what my part was in everything mm -hmm. and, you know, how to differentiate my will and God's will, right? So every time I get burned, I automatically know, oh, that was me. That was all me. That was something that mm -hmm. I thought I wanted that didn't give me the relief that I thought that I expected from yeah. it. Right. So like my expectations get the best of me all mm -hmm. the time. Um, and it's really, it's really cool because now, you know, I can look at it like, well, would I want other people to have expectations of me? Mm -hmm. You know, cause what if I don't live up to those? So it's, it's super unfair of me to have those expectations of other people. Yeah. Um, you know, people, places, and things. I'm, I'm just one little cog in the big wheel of life, mm -hmm. and that's, that's all I got to worry about, right? Just me. Make sure that I fit into the next groove, so that the wheels keep spinning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I got to see that all of my own personal defects of character were harmful to not only me but the people around me, mm -hmm. um, because it was like I was manipulating all the situations around me to make it look like I was still a victim. Mm -hmm. um, we get that victim mentality and... Yeah, we do. Especially if at one point in our life we were extremely victimized. Right? Right. And we live off of that. Yeah. Um, feed off of it too. Feed off of it. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, I, I used to be the type of person that if, if I was having a bad day, I would just sit in it and wallow in it mm -hmm. and soak it all up and then use it to justify my using later mm -hmm. in the night, right? Like if I wanted to go out for a drink, a drink, yeah. right? It's never one drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say a drink. I don't remember those days. Oh. <laughs> I remember the days where we said, we're going to go for just a couple, but not, whatever happened after that is, I have no idea. Right. I have no memory. Right. And I was thinking <laughs> about it too, right? Like I remember when I first started drinking the first night that I ever drank, um, I was 14, sitting on a bench, like a picnic table, outside of a Sobeys in St. Albert with three other girls sharing a 2.6 of vodka. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. And it was pouring rain. And we were outside drinking. And I'm like, why are we doing this? And it's like, well, because nobody's parents will let us drink at their house, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to do what you got to do. And I just went along for the ride, right? I didn't yeah. know how to make my own mind up. Um you know, 
after after I got um, this list of these defects of character, right? What a harsh word to say. <laughs> what do you mean I'm defective? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> it is a harsh way to look at it, for sure. Especially right? if you take it that way, right? Like if it's received as, as you're defective. Right. It's very difficult. Yeah. Right? But it's, it took, um, you know, my sponsor was telling me, you know, you can look at all these things on this list and those were just your actions. Mm. That's not who you are as a person, mm -hmm. right? Like me as a person, I'm, I'm very kind hearted, right? Like mm. I, I'm compassionate. I feel the pain of the world mm. and it's very easy for me to take on other people's stuff, right? When mm -hmm. it's really not mine. Um, and I can I'm not... see that because that's definitely how I see you. Yeah. Like I, since I've met you at that art festival, there's just like a, a aura of love and compassion, right? That comes from you. I try to be, right? Like I've... I think you are probably. And yeah. The other I... stuff gets in the way probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like the other stuff gets in the way for me too, right? Or for all of us, I guess. Yeah. But... But definitely, like, when I first saw you, that's what I could see. It was, like, a loving human being, like, who understood some stuff. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. You know, it's it's nice to hear that I wasn't all bad. Definitely you, not. You know. And I'm sure that other people, that would say more than I could, right? But, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I am assuming there are many. Yeah. I, I am growing my 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 friends, I guess, like mm -hmm. I'm starting to expand a little bit and I'm starting to let more people in and I'm starting to realize that, you know, there's people that genuinely care about my mm -hmm. well-being and, you know, like the love that I give them is like, it doesn't fall on deaf ears, right? Yeah. Like they return that love to me and like that's one thing that I really love about the recovery community is like once people... Once you start to meet people that are in the rooms, you mm -hmm. develop that bond because you're in recovery. You know the struggles that mm -hmm. you've each gone through and you don't judge anybody for it. Yeah. You know, we all have our own battles. We all had our own journey to get where we are today. And, you know, the best thing that we can do is just enjoy each other's company while we have it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because our time here is short. So. Oh, very, very yeah. short. Um, you know, our life expectancy may have gone up, but life is short. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so when I started to look at, um, the things that made my personality go askew, right? Like all my defects, mm -hmm. um, it made it really easy to let them go. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was going through my step seven, um, you know, like my favorite part of that entire prayer is the first word, mm -hmm. you know, my it's mm. nobody else. Yeah. It's my, yeah. my creator, mm. you know, I, um, it's a good way to start it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just, it's, it's personalized. Mm -hmm. It's tailored to tailor. I like to say, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's a, waiting just for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, humbly asked him to remove mm. our defects of character. You know, that word, that humble, I didn't know that word, right? Because like, so humility, like there's three parts, right? Like, so you have humiliation and then humiliation through pain and then humiliation by finding and doing God's work. Mm -hmm. um, I learned 
a lot through, you know, trial and error. We mm -hmm. learn through pain. And yeah. it's, it is very much like the Jay Walker story in the mm -hmm. book. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep putting myself in situations mm -hmm. where I'm not benefiting and I'm hurting people more than I'm helping. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until I get to that painful part, that painful awakening, I'm not going to be ready to give it up because until now it's benefited me. Mm -hmm. um, that's just my own personal experience, right? Like I know some people it's, it's a lot easier to give up those character defects, but when they've been defense mechanisms for me my whole life, um, it gets hard to change, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like six and seven is the meat and the potatoes of the program, right? Like yeah. that's where the character change comes. That's where you start to grow as a human being and where you start to think of others instead of just mm -hmm. yourself. Um, well, and, and honestly, those, those defects, like when I hear fifth steps at the end of it, when I give people their defects, I make sure I tell them that they're not defective. Just what you said. I make sure I say that because I remember feeling like that. Yeah. When I got my first one, right? I was like, holy fuck, I'm screwed. And the reality is, is that those become skills. Right. right? Like those become our skills that we rely on to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're hard to break. Oh, yeah. Right? They're not easy to get rid of. Like it's why we have to ask this entity to take it from us. Right? Is yeah. because it's so hard. Right? Yeah. And like I think, and the thing that's been really working for me, right, is when I catch myself, um, you know, I, like I ask my God, I'm like, okay, can, can you help me to not be like this anymore? Because mm -hmm. like I can play the tape forward and see the fight that it creates or, um, you know, see how close it pushes me to drinking when I don't get my way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been really helpful to, you know, ask, take this. And then I pick up my phone, which sometimes weighs 3,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. I pick it up and I can't, and I text or I call one of the women that I've met in the fellowships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just ask, how was your day? You know, I need to get out of myself a little bit so that I don't keep going down that path. Mm -hmm. um, it, it almost reminds me of like that, um, you know what deja vu is? Yeah. So my aunt told me that uh, deja vu is when you've been in this situation before. Mm -hmm. So she told me, Whenever you hit a deja vu, you're supposed to stop what you're doing and do something completely different mm. because otherwise you're going to keep going on that continued same. cycle. Yeah. And you're just going to keep reliving that same path because you've been there before you've done it already and, and you're you used to it. it. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Very wise. Right? Yeah. Open my eyes. Yeah, no doubt. Wise auntie. Right? Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but so it is... Um, it helps me get out of myself and, um, you know, I'll, I'll text like 10 girls and mm -hmm. maybe two of them will respond, but those are the ones that God needs me to talk to the most mm -hmm. because those are the ones that I can learn from and that I can help. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have a girlfriend in the rooms right now and she's going through a pretty bad, uh, breakup and, you know, I just, I sympathize with her, right? Because I've been mm -hmm. there. Yeah, of course. And, and it's, it might seem like the world is ending, mm -hmm. but, you know, God closes doors for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, some people don't get to stay on our side of that door. Mm -hmm. And we just have to accept it. You know, there's bigger, better things coming. And um, so it's been really good for me to see how my experience can help other women in the situation mm -hmm. that they're in. And, you know, just 
everybody's going to learn their own ways, but the most I can do is just offer what worked for me, what, what it was like for me, how Mm -hmm. I got out of it. Um, and it's, it's, I'm noticing only now after like three years of kicking around in the Mm -hmm. rooms, right, that I'm different Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm considerate of other people and, you know, I don't judge them based on how I see them at first glance Mm -hmm. because I used to be really bad for that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I, I was, I was almost convinced that I was racist. Mm -hmm. Um, but it turns out I just, uh, had a problem with women that were prettier than me. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't (laughs) actually racist. I was just very Mm self-centered, you know, how can you be prettier than me? You need to leave this meeting, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I, actually, my brain is like, how would that feel though? Like, you know what I mean? It wouldn't feel good. No. Right. It, it comes doesn't. from that really dark place. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I often think back to like what it was like when I was growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, I was picked on a lot and I remember my first, uh, I'm going to call it a boyfriend because to mm-hmm. me he was a boyfriend. Um, but you know, he, he dated me just to, uh, just to fuck with me Mm. when I look back on it. Right. And it was, you know, I was used and, um, you know, discarded Mm. after. So I, I put up that wall and that automatic thing that any person that pays attention to me only wants one thing from me, one thing only. And the faster I give that to them, the faster I get that ring. Mm-hmm. That's not how the world works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, unfortunately, but, or fortunately, I'm not sure how to say that. I'm going to say fortunately yeah. now. <laughs> fortunately, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Although there are people who are like that. Yeah. There are yeah. some people who are like that and that's okay for them, right? It's yeah. whatever they need. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's yeah. different. I'm not going to. You know, I know what works for me and mm-hmm. where I need to be. Um, well, and for you, that situation was definitely problematic. So Yeah, and it, it lowered my standards mm-hmm. for all my relationships that followed, right? Yeah. And I was in consistent relationships from the time I was uh, 15 to four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the longest I've been single since... I first started getting into relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I always, you know, I always idolized my mom and dad's relationship. So my mom and dad have been together for 29 years. Oh, wow. Right on. uh, Married for 26. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always thought that that's all I needed to be happy, right? That's all I Mm -hmm. ever fucking wanted was just a husband and some Mm -hmm. kids and a house and some vehicles and materialistic things. Mm -hmm to fill a God-shaped hole, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I would bounce from relationship to relationship and just always lowering my standards because I just wanted somebody to want me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I ended up going through emotionally and mentally and sometimes physically abusive relationships as a result Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to stand up for myself and I thought that, you know, if I just, if I just obey, then I'll get the love that I want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, 
that's that's not love. No, Jesus, it's not. It's it's borderline abuse. Yeah. It's no, say. it's abuse. Yeah. It's abuse. Yeah. Um but I was convinced that you know a man would complete me. Mm. Um so when I first went to treatment, um I had like broken it off with this guy that I was like um kind of invo- I I call it a situationship mm. Situationship, yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's like a situationship or a circumstanceship, or yeah, exactly, right? It's not we're yeah. not we're not official. <laughs> yeah, we haven't made it to relationship yet. Yeah, but I was in my mind, I was mm. still very much in a relationship. Oh, like okay. I was only de- I was devoted to this one person. Mm. Um, but then when I went to treatment, uh, we had a falling out, and it it was like. Oh, I can't believe you left me. You know, I can't believe you took off and you went to treatment. And for the first time, it clicked. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I did this for me. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not for any. Like I did this because, you know, I saw a problem. Mm-hmm. And although I wasn't ready to fully admit, I knew that there was a problem, right? Yeah. Because normal people don't drink a two four in a night and mm-hmm. wake up the next morning and do it all over again. Yeah. You know, that's not normal. Like, normal is people that go to the bar, they have a drink with dinner, and they leave half the beer in the glass. Mm-hmm. Who does that? That pisses me off so much. People who have absolutely no concern for the rest of us. That's Right? Who. Yeah. Exactly. Do you know who I am? Those no. of us <laughs> watching them, they have no concern for us. Like, ah, how dare you? Right? Have a drink. Oh. Tourists. I remember my first <laughs> liver. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I remember my first brain cell. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't remember that one. That was gone a long time ago. Gone. Gone. <laughs> yeah, the first one I lost is gone a long time ago. They don't regenerate. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, at least we've discovered that the neural pathways can, like, be changed, right? Like, right. Thank God we discovered that because for the longest time they were telling us that you could, once you're an adult, you're basically stuck, right? Yeah. And you couldn't change those pathways, and now they know that we can. Which, yeah. And thankfully, right? Right. Like, um, I mean, my brain cells are still gone, but the rest of it has a chance, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, my, my brain cell left with my last fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no more fucks or brain cells to give. Right? <laughs> and there it goes, my last fuck. No. Oh, that's love. What a lovely picture as it floats away. Right? <laughs> Catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm. Please don't come back. <laughs> yeah, don't come back. Oh. Um, so, so I would get into, um, so after I was in treatment, uh, I, I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for me, for me, for me, for me. And then a boy started paying attention to me. Mm. And, you know, I, again, I thought that, you know, God brought this person into my life and we're going to be recovery's next power couple. And we're going to do all the service and we're going to go to world conferences and we're going to just live our best life together, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the more that I grew in treatment, um, you know, the more that I seen that I couldn't do that. Mm. Um, you know, and I realized that I was just, 
um, in the relationship to fill that void, mm -hmm. right? Subconsciously, my mind still wants something to fill a void. Yeah. And although I might not see it for what it is at the time, like that's, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but so near the end of treatment, I, sorry, um, you know, I let him know that, uh, I just, I wanted to take the time to work on myself mm -hmm. and I needed to do this for myself because I couldn't risk losing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't lost everything and I didn't want to find out what it was like to lose everything. No doubt. So I dug my heels in and I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. And then, so we broke up and, you know, there was a little bit of bitterness and a little bit of resentment as there is with every relationship mm -hmm. that just ends. Um, but, you know, he was, he was a really big influence on my life on finding a higher power and finding um, a God of my own understanding and realizing that I couldn't be too hard on myself. You know, I'm very blessed that he showed me those things. Um, so I got on my little, like, God-centered track, and, you know, I was I was trying to work my program. Mm -hmm. And then I got involved in service, and I was going around to different meetings, doing uh, fundraising and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was approached by another boy, you know, just... Granted, he was just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Granted, they always are, right? I think men are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not something we hear every day. I, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. my kryptonite. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just think all men are beautiful, you know? Mm. And it's... Well, thank you. I yeah. Mean, somebody should say thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Y'all are yeah. some good looking fellas. You better take credit once in a while. <laughs> thank you. There you go. Yeah. I'm this is a first beers. we've made Darcy Wait. and Dave blush. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> Way to go, Taylor. Yeah. Good. I'm helping people. No. You are. Yeah, one blush at a time. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, but so I got into a relationship with this guy, and immediately I stopped working my program, mm. and I started... Um, you know, going back into those codependency mm -hmm. ways and trying to fix his life when, you know, I knew deep down there was nothing I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and because I wasn't working my program and because I didn't actually have a good understanding of what my character defects were, mm -hmm. I was very passive aggressive towards him. And I was very condescending. And, you know, I, I was a very mean girlfriend mm. um you know i th i th i think i owe an amends but i'm not sure i'm still mm -hmm. waiting to hear from my sponsor we'll talk about it some more right let yep. some more stuff flow um but so we broke up and two weeks after we broke up i just i couldn't believe that he broke up with me right i was like i'm the best thing there is you know i'm the best thing since sliced bread you know I've accomplished many things. Like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to be with me? But it, well, I wasn't looking at, you know, my behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, I was just looking at my expectations. I wasn't, you know, looking at all the pain that I was causing mm -hmm. him and not communicating my feelings yeah. and then just letting it blow up. Um, I, can, I can totally understand mm -hmm. now 
why that happened, right? And I, I have no hard feelings anymore, right? Like, because I, I learned that, you know, I got that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached out in the first place. You know, I said yes to coffee. I mm-hmm. put myself in a relationship when I knew I shouldn't have been in a relationship yeah. just for the sake of being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I relapsed. And, um, you know, I went out with um, a friend from my using days and I convinced him to come down to Calgary and that we weren't going to drink and I just needed a friend. Mm-hmm. I have a whole room of friends, but I'm calling this guy that I know is going to let me drink, right? Mm-hmm. Subconsciously. Yeah. Um, so I tell him, I'll, 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 I'll drive for you tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll be your DD. And so we go to the strip club and right away, like I just get this feeling Mm -hmm. that I'm not supposed to be there. And my phone is going off and there's people from the rooms texting me and I'm ignoring all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I literally took the ball and just threw it Mm -hmm. because I I got a serious case of the fuck it's. Yeah. Um, And for me, when I get that serious case of the fuck it's, you know, I, I forget everything that I've worked for, mm. everything that has been given to me. Um, I just become so centered on, you know, what I don't have mm-hmm. instead of appreciating what I do have. Yeah. Um, so I went out and uh, it was so fucked up, right? Because I was like, okay, this guy's coming. He's going to make it all feel better. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know get together and he's going to take me and he's going to save me. And so we went to the strip club and I started drinking with him. And then we got into the nose beers and, um, you know, that's when I realized that I am the real deal Mm -hmm. because I thought that this person was the problem, but this person was sleeping and I'm still out in the living room mm-hmm. drinking and doing rails and, you know, mm-hmm. contemplating suicide. And I'm like, I'm the problem. Like, this is, I'm the real deal. Yeah. Normal people don't do this. And, you know, he woke up in the morning, like around nine or whatever. And I was like, hey, how's it going? What are we doing today? And he's like, oh, I'm going to Banff. And I was like, oh, can I come? And he's like, actually, I'm going to see a girl that I might be dating. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So you just come and you do all this stuff to me tonight, but you're going to go and you're going to meet up with this new girl tomorrow. Mm. Right? So it, it dropped my self-esteem even lower. Yeah. Um, that day, I actually called a friend that I had in the program, and I was like, look, I'm really scared to go home. Um, I'm coming down off some stuff, and I'm, I'm really fucking hungover. Mm. <clears throat> So I was like, can I come die on your couch? And uh, he came and he picked me up. And um, I went and I tried to die on his couch. And then he was like, hey, get up. We're going to the Garnet. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? And he's like, we're going to a meeting. And I'm like, I'm hungover right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a meeting. Um, and, you know, I was just a big, big old bag of dicks sitting in that chair, you know, just, <laughs> just gross and... I looked like a train wreck. Just the way we like him at the Garnet. Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, whether, whether you're male or female, we like a train wreck. Right? That's why I fit in so well there. <laughs> well, that's how they let me in. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I first came, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I look like a train wreck. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you guys have t-shirts? No. <laughs> yeah, we do somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, how good for you for going, though? Yeah. And I just mean. Just saying fuck it and going. I mean, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And because of the way that I was thinking mm -hmm. that night, like I was, I was very suicidal. So I was like, I don't know what to do and I'm scared to go home. So I like, I'll just, you know what, I'm along for the ride. Mm -hmm. um, but because I'm an alcoholic addict, that one night triggered that allergy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a week later, you know, I, I went to meetings for the week and all I could think about was I can't wait to get money so I can go get drunk mm. so I can take this pain away. So I could take this guilt away, this shame, yeah. right? I, I lost another relationship, you know? Mm. Um, and the guy that I was hoping would become my knight in shining armor left me for another girl too. Right. Mm. So it's like, it was a very dark place mm -hmm. and you know, that, that phenomenon of craving was very real. And it was like a week later where I went on my no surrender bender. Mm -hmm. I put myself $3,000 in the hole and I got a DUI. Yeah. You know, um, and that was, that was a sufficient enough bottom for me. Right. Yeah. And right after I'd come off my relapse, um, another boy messaged me. Mm. And so this is where you really start to see the repeated cycle. Yeah. Right. God will continuously place lessons in your path until you learn from them. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't learned yet. So obviously I got into a relationship with this guy. So you were like deja vu. And then you said, my auntie told me something about deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not where the story ends. That's, that's not how it happened. I wish... I wish there would have been a saving grace, you know? <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you, though, I bet you the next time you're going to be like, wait a second, I remember this. Oh, already. Already? already. Right on. Um. <laughs> Excellent. Please tell me. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, but so I had a couple days clean, mm -hmm. and I was talking to this guy. And then I started to, like, really talk to him, and he was just... You know, he was telling me all the sweet lies, mm. right? Oh, I just, I absolutely think you're gorgeous, and I just want to be in a relationship with you. Um, and, you know, I thought I could save him. Mm. Um, we were both on a relapse, and, you know, my mind thought that two broken people can make one fixed person. Mm. Um so I was starting to get really involved with him and I knew that I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. Um, I didn't want to live like that anymore. So I knew that I had to stay sober. Mm -hmm. um, he at the time was, you know, dealing drugs. And I thought that, you know, I could be the person at the end of the tunnel that would save him from all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I tried and you know, I moved him into my mom's house. I manipulated my mom mm. into moving this person in. And, you know, to be honest, I looking back, I don't even know if there was a day where he was sober. Mm. 
because he was already using when we were together. And I, I know that for me, if I didn't work with a sponsor and I didn't go to meetings and mm -hmm. I didn't stay involved in the fellowship, then I was not going to stay sober. Yeah. And I was, um, you know, I had got a job and it was a really good job. Like I was, um, I was involved with, uh, the native community. So I was able to mm -hmm. give back to families and to help families that are, you know, struggling mm -hmm. and just be a familiar face to them. So that's, that was really cool for me. Awesome. Um, but I started to notice that while I was work at, at work, there was, there was some shit going down mm. and you know, my rose colored glasses just wanted to ignore all the red flags. Yeah. So I just kept co-signing and you know sweeping it under the rug um you know i uh i came home or he came home one day and he was in a mood and he was like upset and he was like trying to justify him being out all night and i'm like we're in a pandemic you know my cookum's old you can't be doing this mm. like i don't know where you're going but it's not fucking cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my little sister's girlfriend came and she was like, hey, uh, he's in the bathroom and he's not answering the door. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so I had to break into the bathroom and I seen him laying on the floor and I was so fucking scared. Mm. And I'm like, am I going to have to, like, what, what the hell is happening right now, yeah. right? And he was laying on the ground and I look on the ground and there's all this fentanyl around. And I was so scared that I was gonna have to like go and grab my naloxin kit, right? Mm. And you know, it was a really traumatic experience mm -hmm. um, that not only I had to go through, but my family had to go through because my family was in the house. Very much so. And I let this person into my house, right? Thinking mm. that I could fix them. Um, but so after that, I was like, like, you can't, you, you can't stay here anymore. I can't do this. Mm. You're, you know, it's, it's disrespectful to my family. And dangerous too. Dangerous, yeah. right? There's animals around the house. Like what mm. if my dog would have got into it? I would have never. What if your sister got into it? Right? Like, I mean, that's possible, just as possible as the dog, right? Yeah. No wonder you you wanted him to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I tried to get him the help, and, like, I tried to provide him with numbers and mm. people to contact and, like, places to go. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to do exactly what we think is best for us. And, yeah. you know, that wasn't a sufficient enough bottom for him. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really hard to to know how to fix the situation, mm -hmm. but to not be able to do anything about it, right? To just watch somebody slowly kill themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it was really hard because like I did, like I, I am a loving person. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to fall in love mm -hmm. um, or what I think is love, right? Like yeah. I, <laughs> I got unconditional love from my mom and that's about mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I, I hear you. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but so he went back to treatment and, you know, like two months into it, I was like, there's a lot of growth 
And I was like, that's that's when I kind of decided that I wanted it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I worked with my sponsor, and then when I got to, uh, you know, um, I went through some some issues with him because I was still holding on mm-hmm. to the what ifs in the relationship, right? Like um, I was still focused on the illusion of a soulmate. Mm. And, you know, I, I honestly, in my heart, did believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I forgive myself for believing that because I didn't know any better at the time, right? Mm-hmm. I was just looking for something to fill the void. Um, but so, uh, it's, it's actually, I put him on my step eight mm-hmm. for enabling. And that was the harm that I caused him mm-hmm. was because I didn't let him learn his own lesson. Uh, I tried to soften the blow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I caused more hurt than anything mm-hmm. in doing that. Um, and that's usually what happens, right? Is we're, we're trying to avoid causing the maximum amount of hurt, and then we end up causing the maximum amount of hurt. Exactly. It just gets delayed a little bit. Exactly. We yeah. prolong the inevitable. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so we had a... We had a fight, and I was still doing my marijuana maintenance at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I smoked a joint, and uh, you know, I called my sponsor, and I was like, "This is what's happening." And then um, I messaged him, and I was like, "Look, uh, I don't, I don't really know what's happening right now, but I found myself raging for substance mm-hmm. to numb the feeling." And uh, he was like, "Oh, I don't think I can do this anymore." Yeah. And I was like, that's your breaking point? Like, look what I've been through and mm. I've stuck around, but that's because I'm sick, mm. right? I hang on to things that are not good for me Yeah. because that's what I'm used to. You know, I'm used to being used and mm. abused. And, you know, that was what was comfortable for me, so that's what I latched on to. Um, so I put them on this step eight list along with other people, right? Mm. There's... Uh, the way that my sponsor actually did it with me was like she she made me break it down into three columns. So one where I'm willing right now to make mm-hmm. the amends, one where I may be willing, and one where I'm never fucking willing to make mm-hmm. this amends. And I was like, why are you doing this? Like, are you doing this so that I don't have to do those ones? Because I'm going to put them all on the never will I fucking <laughs> do this amends. Um, <laughs> But so I did it, I did it honestly, <laughs> and I went through it, and I was like, this is what I'm willing to do, mm. and this is what I'm not willing to do. And the reason that she did it um, was because we got to look at the ones that I wasn't willing to do mm. and look at the fear that was associated with it yeah. and try and ask God to remove that fear because the fear was what was blocking me off from making the amend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was very, my mom was on the maybe because I was like, I don't want her to look at me differently. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to, you know, disown me or hate me mm-hmm. because, like, I've done some really fucked up shit. And, um, you know, when I went in and I looked at the fear, I was like, I'm scared that, you know, she'll disown me and I won't have a place to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll lose my mom. And, you know, my sponsor, like, really explained it to me, right? Like, Maybe your mom is going to be super understanding of it, you know. 
like, because she's going to love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me kind of bypass that fear. And I kept praying for the willingness to be able to do it, to be able to go through with my amends and, um, you know, to be held accountable um, to fix to fix all of the broken relationships that I made. Um, and one day it just, I was driving her, like we were going grocery shopping together. And <laughs> I remember sitting in the car and I'm at a red light and there was like this thing, this thing inside me that kept coming up that just wanted to blurt out everything that I've ever done mm-hmm. and tell her, you know, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. And so after we went grocery shopping, uh, we came home and I called my sponsor and I was like, there's something in me that's telling me that I need to do this now, mm-hmm. you know? And she was like, well, if that's, maybe that's the, the God thing coming in now, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. it's time. God knows it's time. Um, he knows that you're strong enough to do it and that he's got you no matter what the results are of this amend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I went in with my mom and, um, I got her to, like, I was lighting my smudge and stuff because I wanted to just have a calm energy around Mm -hmm. because like me and my mom are very much the same, right? We're very aggressive and we're very opinionated and, you know, I'm right and I'm going to argue until Mm -hmm. I prove I'm right. Um, those are learned behaviors, right? We get those from our parents. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Right? (laughs) Thanks a lot for all the help. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking A, man. (laughs) Fucking A is right. (laughs) There are patterns I gotta unlearn and I gotta be humble about it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's right. Um, (laughs) But so I brought God into the amend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was very painful. And. I I half expected to get the shit kicked out of me, honestly. You know, I was really scared. I'm very, I was very terrified of my mom, right? Yeah. Like she rules with an iron fist and she's just like her dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my Muslim, um, you know, just a lot of anger issues. Yeah. And that gets passed down from generation to generation and I see it in my family and sure does we're a product of our fucking environment Mm -hmm. um so i was like really scared to make this amend with my mom and after i told her everything you know she had some questions obviously Mm -hmm. and we got to talk and you know there was a lot of crying um from both sides but you know after there was just this beautiful moment where we were hugging and i just felt so connected to Mm -hmm. her like all those things that were blocking, I'm gonna start crying. That's okay. Um, you know, all those things that were blocking me from having a good relationship with my mom were just gone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wasn't living in fear and I wasn't telling lies anymore. Um, you know, I was, for the first time in my life, I was having an honest conversation with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you that know, must I'm, have been incredible. Oh God, scary, but so rewarding. Yeah. Like just so freeing after. Um, what, a, what an incredible experience to do something so scary and then to be able to feel what it's like to have that done, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the actual immediate gift of going through that as opposed to avoiding it. Yeah, right? Because like, right? like when you avoid it, you just, 
you keep it to yourself, right? Yeah. So nobody knows your feelings. Nobody yeah. knows what the little hamster wheel in your head is doing, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you communicate it. Um, and you know, when I when I was in treatment and I left treatment, I did my mom and my dad's amend together, and there was a whole bunch of oh, I'm so sorry, mm -hmm. you know. Lots of crying from my part. No, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that to you guys. And oh, I'll never do it again. And You know, um, going through the steps this time, I'm realizing that all those times growing up that I pulled that card, you know, I'm so sorry. Can you come pick me mm -hmm. up? Can you bail me out this time? You know, I'm in a drunk tank. Come get me, right? No wonder the word, the word mm -hmm. sorry gets played out. And... You know, this time going through my amends, I did them separately because they're two separate people and I've mm -hmm. harmed them in two separate ways. Right? Like my relationship with my mom, I'm very timid and I don't like to talk back, so I'm very passive aggressive. But with my dad, I am my mother's daughter. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've, I was very spiteful. Um, and, you know, my dad's just been this super supportive rock in my life, my whole life, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm such a daddy's girl. Like, um, and when I did my amends with my dad and after I was asking him, like, is there any other way that, uh, I've harmed you? And he's like, well, when you get spiteful mm. and I just instantly started crying, right? Because I knew then that, you know, there's this man that, um, has taken care of me my whole life, uh, loved me since. The time I was born, right, he was the mm -hmm. second person to carry me, but he's not my biological dad, right? But he was there for me mm -hmm. since the beginning. And um, to just hear how, you know, I affected him that way, right? Mm -hmm. And um, to cause him to walk on eggshells because of my uh, my temper and my case of the fuckets. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, for, the ver for a long time, you know, I just... If I didn't get my way, <laughs> mm -hmm. I was going to get my way either way. You yeah. know, one way or another, I'm going to get what I want in the end. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many times I hurt the people around me. Yeah. Um, so it was very humbling um, to, to be able to see how I've affected them in other, mm -hmm. in other ways than I thought that I did. Yeah. Right? Because we only know what we think. We don't know other people's opinions of us or... No, but we make them up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we make up their opinions of us for sure. Whole conversations in my head. <laughs> I'm like, they're judging me yeah. because I'm wrong. Right? Like, it's, yeah. it's not even true. Mm -hmm. I, but that's my mind, right? That's where mm -hmm. our mind goes. Yeah. To the worst possible situation. Oh, for sure. And then for it makes sure. us believe it. Yeah. And then we end up putting off stuff that we need to do. Yeah. Right? right? Like listening course. to our parents and how they felt and how they feel and... That's hard. Good for you. Yeah, it was. That's oh. a hard one. It's a hard one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, after I made those two amends, um, I did another one with one of my friends. And, like, you know, I hold this girl very dear to my heart. She was one of my first friends when I came into the rooms, and she's still my friend now. Um, you know, I did screw up that relationship um and you know i kind of placed a wedge between us when there didn't need to be a wedge mm -hmm. and all she wanted was the best for me um so i went and i made my amends with her and you know she's she's back in my life now and mm -hmm. we might not be as strong as we were before and i understand why right like i 
it would take me a long time to trust somebody again too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand completely where she's coming from, but you know the fact that she is in my life if I need her, right? Like mm-hmm. if I if I need somebody to talk to, then she's there, and if she needs somebody to talk to, I'm here, and we joke around and we laugh together, right? Like um, we're friends. Right on. And you know I avoided that amend because I was scared that she wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's just so understanding, and I'm so blessed that she's still in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. I'm very grateful that that one went well because, like, she's, mm-hmm. you know, she was somebody that I looked up to. Yeah. Like, uh, she was the first Native girl that I ever seen in the rooms, and I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, there's more of us. <laughs> you know, I don't feel so fucking alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, I can't even imagine what that's like. Like, I can't even imagine. It's... It must be pretty daunting walking into those rooms. It definitely is, right? Because, like, so my whole life walking into rooms, I was always stared at because I was Native, right? And now I'll be lucky if I walk into a room and a couple people, oh, you know, turn their head, get a glimpse, and go back to what they were doing, right? Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, it's all in my mind. Um, And, you know, like, growing up and, you know, being profiled and um, experiencing racism from a very young age it it made it really hard for me to walk into a room where you know I'm the visible minority Mm. and you know to um, to learn to trust people that you know physically appearing like their their appearance wise Mm -hmm. look like the people that have hurt me the Mm -hmm. most in the past yeah um and I was just actually having a conversation with a girlfriend today, and I was like, you know, I've you're you're probably the first like white girl that I've seen that I am having a conversation with, and that I'm like building a friendship with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how many of you have I denied myself because my own prejudices mm-hmm. and my own fears of rejection pushed me away, right? Kept mm-hmm. me from making those solid relationships and kept me from. Um, experiencing new things in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I just... Isn't that something, eh? That's well said, because you're you're right. It just denies us a whole bunch of possibilities. It really does. Yeah, our own bullshit does. Exactly, like I'm, like just an addiction, how I was the contributing factor, Mm -hmm. even now, in these potential lifelong friendships that I could Mm -hmm. have I'm the contributing factor that's blocking me off because they might look a certain way or they might talk a certain Mm -hmm. way or you know their political beliefs are different than mine I'm denying myself Mm -hmm. human contact um because you know I was very one way of thinking right if Mm -hmm. you didn't think like me act like me talk like me look like me then you can fuck off yeah um and you know that that kept me in that pit of never growing because mm-hmm. I was just constantly surrounding myself with what was comfortable, what I knew. Yeah. Um, wow, what an awakening, eh? Right? What an awakening. Fucking eight. That is so cool, Taylor. It was... That's part of that fourth dimension they talk about. Right? right? It is. It's part okay. of that dimension that we never even knew we needed. Right? I, I had no idea. I was yeah. like, I don't need that. What do you mean? I'm just going I'm to not a bigot. Right? Fine. Oh, God. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm not a bigot. I love everybody. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't tolerate everybody, but I love everybody. 
<laughs> That's funny that you say that because, like, I actually, I heard it in the meetings, right? And it was like, yes, love and tolerance is our code. Mm -hmm. And yes, I can love you. And yes, I can want you the best or wish the best for you. Mm -hmm. And yes, I can even tolerate you calling me a bitch. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tolerate you tolerate you calling me a bitch from way the fuck over here that's right you know you're not allowed in my bubble you're yeah. gonna drain my energy get the hell out yeah we're, and that the love and tolerance we talked about that in the first podcast today which is weird you brought it up the same quote it's like the love and the tolerance we're talking about is we tolerate the person's existence we don't tolerate the behavior right we tolerate them existing we, we respect their right to exist way the fuck over there oh that's the tolerance wow. right we're not tolerating the behavior like under no circumstances yes. are we supposed to like tolerate whatever behavior people throw at us what we tolerate is the fact that they still belong in the room that's the tolerance we're talking about we're, we're tolerating stuff that we would never have tolerated before yeah right like to be able to sit in a room with people who we know um, may, may be racist, right? But we still sit in the room. We still listen to them when they talk about not drinking. We just don't listen to them when they talk about the other shit, right? Like, yeah. And so we tolerate you being there because we know your, your presence here will help someone else, if not just yourself, yeah. right? So if we don't kick you out. That's the tolerance we're talking about. I don't think, under no, and I've heard this before, right? The argument, obviously everyone has their own opinion, but in my mind, that's the tolerance we're talking about. We tolerate you being here, your right to recover. We have every, you have every right to be here no matter what, no matter what you've done, if you're a murderer, whatever, right? But that doesn't mean I want to sit next to you. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to hang out with you, yeah. right? And, and so sometimes that gets confusing for yeah. people, right? Is because it's like, wow, well, love and tolerance, their code. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't say you have to be stupid. Like, right. it doesn't say that you have to go and engage with people who are completely outside of your moral spectrum, right? Like, one thing you did mention that's very important, though, is to expand our group, right? That's important yes. to expand and open up ourselves to other people, right? Yeah. How else are we going to find out whether they're murderers or not, right? Oh, like, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, <laughs> I'm just joking. We, well, the good news is there aren't that many of them right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it seems like we're in the room with a lot of them at once, right? Because some of the rooms we go to, there's lots of people there that have hurt people, right? Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter <laughs> is, I, I don't think about that. That was one of the things that AA gave me when I came in, was yeah. this mindset that your business is none of my business, Yeah. right? And even if you decide to make it my business, I can still leave. Yeah. I don't have exactly. to take it, right? I don't have to carry it. You don't have to carry it. And it's, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's hard enough keeping myself up afloat some days. You want me to tug you along too, mm -hmm. you know, like I just, and that's one of the biggest gifts that I've gotten in this program, right? Like I, so I come from, um, a very addiction ridden family. Mm. Like there's, there's a lot of drinking, there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of substance use mm -hmm. to mask feelings. Um, well, you mentioned intergenerational trauma earlier. Yeah. And, and that's a real deal. That's... That's a family killer. Yeah. And it's... It's starting to get a little bit easier, right? Like, so mm. I, for the longest time, had a resentment towards residential schools because mm -hmm. my cookum was taken from her home when she mm. was three years old. And I don't know if you've looked on the news lately, but they just I actually just read grave. your post about your grandma, actually. They, you know... Yeah. And it's, it's scary to think that that could have been my grandma. 
it's terrifying in general, but yeah, I can't imagine. You know, like I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. And you know, me sitting in this chair and me sharing my story about recovery just goes to show that it didn't fucking work. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. Yeah. And oh, you know, I just got goosebumps. Thank God you're here. No, oh, right. Thank God they didn't succeed in what they were trying to do. Right. Yeah. I might not have my language, but damn, I still have my blood. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and you've got ceremony, and you've got like, th thank God you st we still have that. Yeah. Because we we're all gonna. God, I don't even want to talk about it, but it's it's like we're all gonna suffer if. I mean, what happens if the uh, you know indigenous populations across the planet are wiped out? Right. Well, if they're wiped out, we don't know about it, so they can keep whitewashing the history, right? Yeah. But now, thank God, this is why. Like, thank God you're here, because we can't let it be whitewashed. Yeah, and right? I'm I'm starting to see that, uh, you know, my purpose in life, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, like I mentioned, that I like I was suicidal before, and mm -hmm. I didn't have any direction. Like my my focus was men. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's, that's how I'm going to get through in life. That's how I'm going to skate by. Yeah. Um, but now I'm realizing that I have a voice mm -hmm. and, you know, just today I gave, I gave myself a really good pep talk, right? Like I was like, you're the seventh generation Taylor. Mm. This is it. This is where the money fucking happens. Yeah. This is where the magic starts. And, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like me mm -hmm. for the truth, but I'm still going to go out there and I'm still going to tell people this is exactly what happened mm -hmm. this is what canada is founded on right the mm -hmm. genocide of my people the attempted genocide yeah. of my people and and you say that we could even say it again really because that's a huge thing and a lot of people won't call it what it is right I've they're like oh the residential schools you know they turn them from savages into you know human beings and i'm like we were fucking human beings before you guys showed up yeah. you know and you want to talk about like that word savages, like I'd say colonial sa savages. Mm -hmm. They're basically just what we would call now projection, right? Mm -hmm. Like projecting their own fear mm -hmm. onto everything around them. Right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Nope, but for sure. Yeah. Like it's, uh, um, so last week I went to, um, the, uh, Voices of the Oppressed rally, mm -hmm. and um, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask about it. Yeah, so yeah. I went there, and so I'm I'm very big on abolishment of the police, right? So like, if mm -hmm. you look into the RCMP and you look at the real reason why the RCMP was created, it mm -hmm. was created to keep the Indians on the fucking reserve. Yeah, and to kill us when we left. Yeah, you know, um, as if the residential schools weren't enough, as if the past system wasn't enough. You've got these RCMPs mm -hmm. who are now glorified, and sometimes trigger happy roid freaks mm -hmm. that you know they're power hungry mm -hmm. and you know their daddy gave them everything that they wanted in life so they're gonna go get what they think is theirs and you know um while i was at this rally i heard a lot of very um emotional speakers mm -hmm. right like you know i've i've been roughed around by cops right but nothing in compared to what these people have gone mm -hmm. through, right? Like there's a, there was a man sharing his story two months ago. He got taken on a fucking starlight tour. He got left out in Leduc with uh, no fucking shoes, no jacket and got told to walk back to his fucking house just a couple in North months Edmonton. Ago? Yeah. A couple months ago. It still happens. Eh? It still happens. Yeah. And nobody, Fuck. you know, there's, there's that fucking meme, right? And it's like, you know, you can have a thousand good cops, yep. 
and 10 bad cops. But if those 1,000 good cops don't fucking say anything about those guys, then you've got 1,010 bad cops. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's something that I am very passionate about. And I've been watching a lot of the news. And, you know, in the past year, 13 Native people have been killed by police. And some of them are on wellness checks. Mm. Wellness checks. You know? Is that just in Alberta? Uh, I think Is it? I, I'm going to have to go back and check. We can double check it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I'll let you know. But I know that yeah. that was like something that was mentioned at the rally. Either way, it's it's too many. Like It's way too many. Way too many. So um, it doesn't matter where it was, I guess. But Yeah. And so like the abolishment of the police is something that I really believe in. And people are like, well, who's going to save us? And I'm like, what do you mean? Save yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if your neighbor is coming at you with a gun, run. Mm hmm. You know, um, and I like there's some certain situations, obviously, like if the neighbor's coming at a gun, yes, you need a cop. But well, you need some kind of intervention. Yes. Yeah, something needs to happen. Something. Yeah. Um, but I do not believe that the cops should be called for wellness checks. Um, I don't believe the cops should be called when somebody shoplifts food. Yeah, that's a good point. I. Yeah. There's, there's more than enough. If we're throwing it out because it's not fucking selling in time, mm. then you can give it to somebody who's hungry. I never understood why we didn't do that to begin with. Right? I just, I honestly, I think when I was a kid, I thought that's what we did. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. But when I grew up, I realized that's not what we do. That's not what we do. Yeah. And like, I've, I've known people that have worked at these grocery stores and they're like, it has to stay in the garbage. Management freaks the fuck out if you take it out of the garbage. Mm -hmm. And like... The, the the pandemic has given us this transfer of wealth mm. where, you know, the poor people have gotten increasingly more poor mm. and people are, you know, becoming homeless and they're starving and they're struggling to provide for their children. And then you get the Jeff Bezos and, you know, the Elon Musk of the world that are billionaires mm. That if their wives divorce them and take half, they still have billions mm -hmm. of dollars. Um, you know, I remember like a few beers back, I seen this meme and it was like... A few beers? Did you say a few beers back? No, a few years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we know where my head's at. <laughs> we recovered here, remember? Not today, <laughs> Satan, not today. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, my bad. I could have sworn that's what you said. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Shit. Right? Yeah. Because it technically it was a few beers ago. Like, yeah. whenever it yeah. was. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Um, but it was along the lines of, you know, there's like 43 billionaires in the world. Mm -hmm. And not one of those losers has decided to become Batman. <laughs> you know, if I had a billion dollars, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. I mm -hmm. guarantee the world would be a better place. Yeah. Well, we have some idea what to do with it. Yeah. But you, but you see, for us, it's easy because we have connection to suffering in our life, ah. right? To those billionaires, they don't know what suffering looks like anymore. Right? They might know like in general and obviously intellectually what it looks like, but they're not connected to it. Oh, God, no. Right? Like yeah. we're, we're connected to it. That's yeah. why we would do, I think, because it's common, right? Those yeah. of us who come from little or nothing, like we, we just tend to think like, well, if we won that, I'm going to help with that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something good with that. Right. And having said that, I realize that some of those billionaires probably do some good stuff with their, oh, with yeah. their money, but we we're just saying that you could do more because you have more money. Yeah. That's the, that's the bottom line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like 
Can, can we just go back to the rally again? Oh, and yeah, how, for sure. And how cool that was? Like, oh. If that's okay. I'm sorry, because yeah, I can sure. get off on a tangent about these billionaires, like, quick. For sure. Yeah. Nope, absolutely. Billionaires um, in the Catholic Church? I'm in. Let's start throwing some arrows at Right? Oh, I just want to <laughs> yeah. burn it. <laughs> yeah. Burn it down. Right? Burn it to the ground, like that Nickelback yeah. song. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's our theme song. We're coming after you, Catholic Church. Nickelback and all. Right. <laughs> we meet up in Hannah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, uh, I had seen the poster and it got shared in a couple of group chats that I had. And, you know, I, I messaged some friends and I was like, hey, I'm going to try and go to this thing. If you mm -hmm. want to come meet me there, whatever. Right. Um, so I went and right off the bat, I recognized the girl that was organizing it. Um, her name is Taylor, too. Taylor McNally? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, what a woman. What a human, man. What, what an incredible oh. human. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. I'm so glad that, you know, my journey has brought me into contact with people like that, mm -hmm. right? Like like-minded people. Yeah. That actually Powerful voice. Fun. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Oh, inspirational. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet that must. Was that your first time meeting her? Yes. Oh god, I had, it must have I been awesome. I follow her on Facebook and yeah. stuff, right? But um, that was the first time I ever actually met her. I've yet to meet her in person. I've only yeah. on Facebook and Instagram. She's even more beautiful in person. I bet. I bet. Um. But, so I went and um. I was uh. I went with um. I'm not sure if you know Sober Crew. Um, so it's, it's a group, they, they do some drumming and stuff around, uh, Calgary, but they're like super involved in the vulnerable population and giving oh, back okay. to the vulnerable population. Yeah. So they help out with Bear Clan every Friday. Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's, and I, but it's separate from Bear Clan. Like it's yeah. a different group. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they, they branched off into the American Indian movement. Hmm. So that's the, um, aim. yeah. Aim from the States. eh? Yeah. Um, so I started talking with, uh, one of my friends who's in involved mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to know how to get involved. And he was like, well, come to this rally today. This is what we're doing. And I'm like, Oh fuck yeah, I'm down. Let's mm -hmm. go. And, um, it was so, it was such a God shot. Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, for the first time I started to see the world for what I, what I was hoping I mm -hmm. would find. Right, like I, because I had only ever seen the whitewashed, you know, stay in line, don't mm -hmm. speak up too loud, you know, don't talk yeah. back. Um, I was so used to that, and then I got surrounded by a group of people, and that's actually when I realized that I wasn't racist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought that I had a problem with uh, white people, but my problem is with the ignorance behind it, mm -hmm. and the. You know, how how can somebody just sit there on their pink cloud and not give a fuck about the world around mm -hmm. them? And to look at it for what it is, right? Yeah. And, you know, the whole day, it was just so emotional for me. And um, my friend, Robbie, he, uh, he gave me the flag, mm -hmm. and he was like, you walk with this. And I'm like, okay. So I was walking with it, and my... Uh, my cookum scarf, my yellow cookum scarf happened to fall off my head. So I was holding it at the bottom of the flag. And, you know, in my culture, yellow is a healing color. Mm -hmm. um, so that picture, uh, you know, 
because there was a picture taken of me leading this march across the Peace Bridge, mm -hmm. holding this flag. What an amazing picture. My cookum scarf, right? Yeah. And, you know, like to have that color, that mm -hmm. yellow, right? And know that it's for healing. Mm -hmm. And That's powerful. It was, and yeah. it is, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's lit this fire under my ass, right? Has it? Where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do more of this. Nice. Because this is where I believe that I'm supposed to be. This is mm -hmm. what I believe I was kept alive for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after a failed attempted genocide and then, you know, living in active addiction mm -hmm. for 14 years, it's, it's a miracle that I'm mm -hmm. alive. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm here for a reason. And Fucking a. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to keep, um, you know, walking the red road mm -hmm. because that's where I'm supposed to be. And I know in my core that that's where I'm supposed to be now. And it doesn't yeah. even matter like what happens around me is mm -hmm. I know that, you know, God's got me mm -hmm. and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And like going to these rallies is going to be something that, you know, is going to become a very big part of my life. Yeah. Um, because I found like-minded people that believe in the same things that mm -hmm. I do, that are fighting for the same things that I want to fight for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took me 30 years to find a group of friends like that, yeah. finally. Um, I just, I'm so grateful for everything that's been given to me in these past couple months, right? Like, since... Mm -hmm. um, since the breakup with the last guy, right? Like, so the last yeah. four months I've been like, I'm not going to lie. It's been kind of heart wrenching, mm -hmm. but you know, I found out today that he's in a new relationship and I don't want to drink. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I don't want to drink. This would have sent me off my rocker. Yeah. I would have been fucking, you know, trying to burn his house down, trying to find her, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And burn her house down. Burn her house down, yeah. you know. Drag her face through the mud. Like, all these <laughs> bad things, right? But mm -hmm. I see it for what it is. Yeah. And I see that my journey is going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, creators taking me in a different path. And, you know, maybe sometime down this road, I'll find somebody that I'm mm -hmm. compatible with. But for right now, I know that nobody that I know is good enough. And mm -hmm. that sounds really cocky to say, but it took me a long time to understand that, you know, my worth mm -hmm. and that I don't have to settle mm -hmm. and I don't have to grovel for crumbs. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. You know? Yeah. Like I, I'm a very powerful woman and I know mm -hmm. how to use my voice now. And I'm going to keep using it. Right on. And I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to keep fighting. And I'm going to keep trying to show other Native women that, you know, there's a beautiful life out here. Mm -hmm. And we aren't our trauma. Mm -hmm. We aren't our past. We aren't our parents. Yeah. You know, we aren't what happened to us. You don't have to be. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to be. Uh, but I can't imagine how hard it is not to be, right? Like, right. considering the generations of pain, mm -hmm. right? Like... And I think that's really that picture of changing the cycle, right? Yeah. Of the cycle of pain, yeah. you know, and carrying on all the wonderfulness and leaving behind the pain now, yeah. right? Like being able to say, you know what? This is so painful, all these generations of pain, 
but there's nothing else we can do but carry that yellow flag and heal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I'm hoping, um, as hard as that is, I'm not trying to make that sound. Oh no, for sure. For sure. I understand completely. Right. Like, uh, it's, it, it hasn't been an easy journey, Mm -hmm. but just the awareness that I have around it now is Mm -hmm. just, it's worth it. Yeah. You know, holy crap. Like I just, I'm on the beam, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm gonna, I have complete faith that everything that will be put in front of me is something that I know I can accomplish, like Mm -hmm. something that I can accomplish or that my God knows that I can accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, because otherwise he wouldn't have given it to me. Right. Mm Uh, you know, he often gives the toughest battles to the strongest warriors. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of people that go through traumatic experiences, like, um, you know, for example, I lost my son eight years mm. ago, and that was an incredibly heartbreaking, traumatic experience mm. for me that I still live with. And um, the only thing that's changed now is my acceptance of it and knowing that, you know, my son is in the spirit world and my son is watching me do these things. Mm. And my son knows that I'll meet him again one day. And if I can come out of that, mm. and if I can keep prevailing, no matter what life fucking throws me, mm. and I'm still here, and you know I'm not dead yet. I still got a life, a long life ahead of me, mm. you know. It's it's bittersweet, mm. right? Yeah. You know, it's um eight years. And I'm just starting to come to terms with the fact that there was absolutely nothing I could have done. Mm-hmm. That was just the way that it was, right? Like, yeah. so um, I had a high-risk pregnancy and, like, uh, I got stuck at nine centimeters, so I had to go for an emergency C-section and I was on bed rest the entire pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, my aunt, after it all happened, she made it, she made it sound okay. Um, she was like, you know, science let you hold him, but in the end, science couldn't keep him here. Yeah. You know, and I remember being in the hospital and just praying and trying, you know, those Hail Mary prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, save my son. And it didn't work, and that, that gave me a really harsh resentment towards mm-hmm. God, you know. But looking back on it now... I see it for the blessing that it was because I got to experience my own um, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's why I, like I can be in a relationship with somebody and, you know, before I would tell them that I love them because Mm -hmm. like I'm, it's it's a platonic love type thing that Mm -hmm. I exuberate, right? Like I love everybody. I wish the best for everybody, but that unconditional love Mm that bond, right? Like that was what I needed. And that's, um, looking back, I can see that, you know, that was the gift. Mm. Um, you know, that was the gift that showed me that that was the only boy I'd ever need. Mm. None of these other ones that I just, you know, settle for the crumbs for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, if, the, if any of you hear this, I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, but it's it's true, and it's true, and convi- and talking about the times that it happened, right? Like talking about the times that occurred, 
it's not a slag on anybody. The truth of the matter is we're sick, yeah. right? And, and that doesn't just stop with you and me, right? Like the, we're all, when we come into the rooms, we're coming in because we're sick. Yeah. And, and obviously that means some things are going to happen. Yeah. Right? And they're not always going to be like the way we wish they would. Exactly. Matter of fact, most of the time it won't be. Exactly. Yeah. We only think we know what's best. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, but so, like just being able to have that understanding that, um, you know, all the pain and all the suffering that I went through growing up and, you know, in my adult life, it wasn't for nothing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, I, I'm not sure who I'm going to help by coming on and talking about this today, mm-hmm. but, you know, somebody somewhere down the road, you know, might hear it, relate to it, and see a greater purpose for mm-hmm. themselves Yeah. beyond what they've conditioned themselves to think, mm-hmm. you know? Well, you've already helped me. Yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yay! Yeah, yeah. This has been a good talk for me, so I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. That makes me so happy. I was, yeah. like, super nervous coming in here. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And it's funny, hey, because you were super nervous, and I was super excited. I'm like, I fucking love Taylor, man. It's so <laughs> awesome that she reached out and wanted to come back, so. Yeah, and I yeah. figured, like, this time it wasn't so so centered. It was like, hey, mm. look at, look, there's, there actually is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It took me a while to get here. <laughs> <laughs> But now you're here, you're warm in the light, and you get to keep moving if you want. Exactly, right? Yeah. I got a taste of that god dope, and I've been chasing mm. it ever since. <laughs> oh, it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. That god dope, oh, better than any high I've ever had, hands yeah. down. I've seen some longer. crazy high Christians, man, off their god stuff, right? Right? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they totally act like drug addicts, and you're like, are you on anything? And they're like, high on Jesus. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> then. <laughs> which is totally cool if it works right yeah you, so. yeah awesome cool so is there anything else you wanted to talk about uh i don't know what time we're at but i'm assuming it's like two and a half hours oh. hour and 40 again yeah oh i'm horrible <laughs> at this you're good at this we we have such nice conversations oh we definitely do yeah we definitely i think you're do. great at this because Look, there's no perfect way to do it, obviously. The perfect way to do it is the is you doing it and feeling comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not a time frame. Some people are an hour. I mean, the average is about an hour. Yeah. But when I sit down with people that, you know, that I'm connected to and that we have easy conversation, it's always about two hours. Yeah. Okay, now I don't oh, feel yeah. so bad because I was like, no. got to keep it under an hour. I set an alarm on my phone. Oh. It didn't even go off. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were busy talking anyway. Exactly, yeah. right? Once you get to shooting the <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> That's right. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah. And, and for, for being me. so vulnerable, you know? Yeah, like it's it's very rewarding. Yeah. It's 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 good to break down those doors and let people in once in a while. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm learning that like over and over the last couple of weeks, man. <laughs> Just gotta keep talking when you need to talk, right? Exactly. Don't yeah. be don't be afraid. That's right. 